Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I am Brad Alexander, your host, himself a beggar who found bread and wants others to know where I found it, that they too may be satisfied by the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. This episode, The Worm. From the band Bride, this song, The Worm, refers to Psalm 22. From the late 80s to mid-90s, Bride was one of the more popular Christian metal bands. Brothers Dale and Troy Thompson founded the band, and I actually got to meet them back in 94. They were up here at the State Fair. I was working for a radio station that helped sponsor the concert, so I got to meet the guys backstage, pray with them before they went on, and introduce them to the crowd. It's a great time, and some cool dudes, no doubt. Their later albums, eh, they don't hold up as well as some of their earlier stuff. Snakes in the Playground, The Jesus Experience, and Scarecrow Messiah are a few of my favorites. And lead singer Dale Thompson can also be heard on a couple of tracks from the album Electronic Preachers. The producers of that album took some small samples of sermons from different preachers and then put them to electronic music. It's kind of a fun album, a good listen. In any event, you know the deal. It's not about the music. It's about the message. So let's dig in. The worm. See what I did there? Dig? Worm? Ah, Never mind. Psalm 22. What an amazing portion of scripture in so many ways. Through the inspiration of the spirit of Adonai, King David prophesies of the death of Messiah. What type of death he would face. I'm going to read it in its entirety. There are some who believe Yeshua quoted this whole psalm while nailed to the execution stake, the tree. It's not recorded that he quoted all of it, but he certainly did quote some of it, and others were living portions of it around him as he was being crucified. So as I read this psalm, please consider what you have read and know of the day Yeshua was crucified the crowd that was around him, the things that were being said, the guards, the torturous execution he was enduring, what it did to his body physically, and the words he spoke. Keep those things in mind as I read to you Psalm 22. For the leader set to sunrise, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why so far from helping me, so far from my anguished cries? My God, by day I call to you, but you do not answer. Likewise at night, but I get no relief. Nevertheless, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and escaped. They trusted in you and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me jeer at me. They sneer and shake their heads. He committed himself to Adonai, so let him rescue him. Let him set him free if he takes such delight in him. But you are the one who took me from the womb. You made me trust when I was on my mother's breasts. Since my birth, I have been thrown on you. You are my God from my mother's womb. Don't stay far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Wild bulls of Bashan close in on me. 
They open their mouths wide against me like ravening, roaring lions. I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart has become like wax. It melts inside me. My mouth is as dry as a fragment of a pot. My tongue sticks to my palate. You lay me down in the dust of death. Dogs are all around me. A pack of villains closes in on me like a lion at my hands and feet. I can count every one of my bones while they gaze at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves. For my clothing they throw dice. But you, Adonai, don't stay far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue me from the sword, my life from the power of the dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth. You have answered me from the wild bull's horns. I will proclaim your name to my kinsmen. Right there in the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear Adonai, praise him. All descendants, all descendants of Yaakov, glorify him. All descendants of Israel stand in awe of him. For he has not despised or abhorred the poverty of the poor. He did not hide his face from him, but listened to his cry. Because of you, I give praise in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the sight of those who fear him. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Adonai will praise him. Your hearts will enjoy life forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to Adonai. All the clans of the nations will worship you in your presence. For the kingdom belongs to Adonai, and he rules the nations. All who prosper on the earth will eat and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, including him who can't keep himself alive. A descendant will serve him. The next generation will be told of Adonai. They will come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he is the one who did it. Powerful, powerful proclamation by King David. And just a few key points. Remember, David wrote this centuries before Yeshua was born on earth. The psalm opens with a very familiar statement that we read in the Gospels, spoken by Messiah from his crucifixion. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? At his crying out to the Father in this way, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of those around him began mocking him. And some appear to think he's crying to the prophet Elijah, but he's crying to Elohai, his God and Father. Listen again to verses 8 and 9. And they might be numbered 7 and 8 in your version. Some, some versions or translations include the description of the psalm as a verse. Others do not. So, all who see me jeer at me. They sneer and shake their heads. He committed himself to Adonai, so let him rescue him. Let him set him free if he takes such delight in him. This is what the onlookers were saying to Messiah and of him as he was being crucified. He cries out to Elohim, his God, the Father, 
He cries out to him and the people are mocking him. If he takes such a delight in him, let him set him free. This is what they were saying of him. And then from verse 15, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has become like wax. It melts inside me. This describes some of what he is experiencing during the crucifixion. He is stretched out, the weight of his body pulling down, disjointing the bones as his hands are nailed to that tree. And then his lungs and his heart are compressed because of the weight of his body pulling down. In verse 16, he says, My mouth is as dry as a fragment of a pot. My tongue sticks to my palate. You lay me down in the dust of death. And we can recall at one point, Yeshua forces out the words, I thirst. His mouth is dry as the fragment of a pot, his tongue sticking to his palate. And a man holds up a soaked sponge to Messiah's mouth. We read in the 18th verse, I can count every one of my bones while they gaze at me and gloat. And once more, this is a description of the agony of crucifixion as the weight of his body pulls down, stretching the frame of his body out that you could see the individual bones. And then in verse 19, they divide my garments among themselves for my clothing. They throw dice. This is a very familiar passage from the Gospels that the guards, they didn't tear his, his garment. The guards cast lot for it and they divided it that way. They cast lots. They threw dice for his garments. The final verse of this psalm says, They will come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he is the one who did it. He is the one who did it. God did it. He completed it. He finished it. The final words of Yeshua on the crucifix, it is finished. It is done. This is such an incredible prophecy and psalm through King David. And I do want to double back um, to verse, it's either six or seven, again, depending on your version, to focus on the theme of this episode, Psalm 22 and verse six, but I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. And for a long time, I just assumed that this statement, I am a worm, not a man, was, was simply referring to how Yeshua humbled himself. And it certainly is, it, it can be found in this, that he is humbling himself to the lowly state, the lowliness to which he was brought in comparison to from where he came, heaven. And so that's, that's what I thought this was referring to in, an, in whole, in its entirety. But I heard a sermon by Rabbi Greg Hirschberg that made me dig deeper into this verse to understand it better. There are two primary Hebrew words used in scripture to describe worms. Ramah is one, and it mostly refers to maggots. Um, there's several mentions of it in throughout the book of Job. Also in Isaiah 14, when the prophet speaks of Sheol, the grave, he talks about how the worms are spread there. 
that word is ramah. It's kind of like maggots. The worm referenced in Psalm 22 is the tola worm. It's also called the crimson worm, Cocos elicus. Now from discovercreation.org, I'm going to read a bit of a description of this worm. The crimson worm, Cocos elicus, is a very special worm that looks more like a grub than a worm. When it is time for the female or mother crimson worm to have babies, which she does only one time in her life, she finds the trunk of a tree, a wooden fence post, or a stick. She then attaches her body to that wood and makes a hard crimson shell. She is so strongly and permanently stuck to the wood that the shell can never be removed without tearing her body completely apart and killing her. The crimson worm, Cocos elicus, then lays her eggs under her body and under that protective shell. When the baby worms hatch, the larvae, they stay under the shell. And not only does the mother's body give protection for her babies, but it provides them with food. The babies feed on the living body of the mother. After just a few days, when the young worms grow to the point that they are able to care for themselves, the mother dies. As the mother, crimson worm, dies, she oozes a crimson or scarlet red dye, which not only stains the wood which is attached she's attached to, but it also stains her young children. They are colored scarlet red for the rest of their lives. After three days, the mother crimson worm, the Cocos elicus, her body loses its crimson color and turns into a white waxiness which falls to the ground like snow. And it can be used for bleaching to remove stains. So what did King David mean in this psalm, speaking of the death of Messiah? I am a worm. I am Tola. Yeshua, sacrificed, gave up his life on a tree, attached to a tree, so that his offspring, if you will, might be washed with his crimson blood and their sins cleaned white as snow. As Isaiah says, Isaiah 118, come now, says Adonai, let's talk this over together. Even if your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Even if they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. Also, consider the toll worm. The offspring consume the body of the mother. We remember from, from John 6, starting at verse 53, Then Yeshua said to them, Yes, indeed, I tell you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. That is, I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live through the Father, so also whoever eats me will live through me. 
we partake of the body of Messiah as we consume him. He is the word made flesh. We are to consume his word, the whole of scripture, as we nourish ourselves on the Tanakh and the Brit Hadasha, both testaments of scripture. They nourish and sustain us, and we will live by what we consume. Remember the words of Messiah in John 4, as his disciples encouraged him to eat. This is just after meeting with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. They're encouraging him to eat. And he said, I have food to eat you know nothing about. And in Matthew chapter 4, as he quoted from Deuteronomy 8.3, Messiah quotes Deuteronomy 8.3 in that passage. This is Deuteronomy 8.3. He afflicted you and let, your hunger, let you hunger. Then he fed you manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, in order to make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. We are to consume, to live on the bread of life, Yeshua, the word made flesh. And even as the Tola worm dies for its offspring and the body nourishes them in the same way, this is what Yeshua has done for us. He died for us, affixed to a tree. He spent three days and three nights in the grave. He died for us that we might live through him. And how amazing, after three days, that Tola worm stops producing the red. She turns white, and what's left of her can be used to bleach to remove stains. Come, let us reason together. Hallelujah. God is so good what he has done. While consuming his body, as the saying goes, you are what you eat. If we have a steady diet of the living word of Adonai, we will live it. The only other reference to the Tola worm in scripture that I'm aware of is found in Jonah. And if you recall, the prophet Jonah gave a warning to the people of Nineveh, 40 days and Adonai will destroy them. Jonah then perches himself on a hilltop to watch what happens. A plant sprouts up, offering him comfort and shade as he sits, hoping and waiting for God's wrath to be poured out on Nineveh. Jonah 4 says that he was very happy with that plant. And then in verse 7, we read, But God, at dawn the next day, prepared a worm that crippled the plant and it withered away. This caused the prophet to turn to God and complain about the plant dying. Jonah says he's mad enough to die because that plant is gone. God rebukes his prophet, telling him he's more concerned about a plant than he is about over 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. Again, the worm in this passage is Tola, Cocos Alicus, and I believe it to be a reference to Messiah. 
a picture of him, as our faith in him should remove our desire for the comforts of this life. He turns us to the Father, even as what this worm did turned Jonah to the Father. And our concern should not be for self-preservation, but for those around us who don't know their right hand from their left hand. They don't know. And so our desire, our concern should be for them to repent. Though their sins be as scarlet, they may be made white as snow because of the crimson poured out, the blood of Messiah Yeshua. That is who we are. In this picture, we are those trying to trying to turn people to God through Messiah Yeshua, that they would hear the warnings, that we would give those warnings, that they would hear them and repent and return to Shuva, turn to God because of what he has done. Thank you so much. I am grateful for you giving me some of your time here. And I hope this has blessed you. I, I got to say, I guess I'm a little bit of a, of a nerd when it comes, to, it comes to this Tola worm. But I think it's such an amazing thing that God has done. And that he uses, he uses his creation, all of it, to point to Messiah. And Messiah points everyone to the Father. So as always, I encourage you, study to show yourself approved of God. And if you agree with, if you're blessed by or appreciate this program, I'd I'd simply ask you to consider sharing it with others, whether you share it on your social media, uh, emailing it, uh, you know, the link or texting it directly to folks you know and love who you think would be blessed by it or you think need to hear it. Send it out. I appreciate it. And you're, you're always, of course, welcome to subscribe, to rate, and review this podcast as well. Thank you so much for all the love. All the love directed towards this beggar who found bread. And I know it's, it's love simply directed back to the Father. Praise Him. I am simply trying to let other hungry men, women, and children know where I found bread in the word of God, the bread of life, Messiah, Yeshua. So let's partake, let's consume the bread of life, and let's live the life to which he has called us in Messiah, Yeshua, a life of love and obedience to him as we follow Yeshua. Let's go out and give him heaven.